If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet. Uh, and I'm Eric Schnell. And I'm here today in Galveston with Eric. Eric, would you tell us, the listeners, your title here in the city of Galveston? Uh, sure. So I would be called the co-founder slash director of the Galveston Artist Residency. And I'm also an artist myself. And so I came here last year for the first time. Um, I spent a couple weeks and got to know the artist residency program. I got to meet the artists. We spent a lot of time together just kind of talking about the region, the area, some of its history, and the present day condition of being in Galveston. And that opened my eyes to the complexity of Galveston. And given its proximity to Houston, it's like any time you're in Houston, you're only an hour away from Galveston. Um, And so that kind of brings me here today. I was passing through Houston and I thought I would add some time in Galveston, given that uh, we're at the beginning of the 2023-2024 GAR artist cohort. So the three artists although this time there's a duo artist pair in that mix. So there's four total people. Um, They just moved in. They're fresh to the island. And they're gearing up for 10 months of studio time. And so we'll tap into the GAR cohort a little bit. But I think given that um, I've interviewed Nick Barbie in the past, as well as Justin Roykovich. Who are both GAR alumni for right. the past years. Yeah. And GAR has kind of this, like like any artist residency, you have a legacy, a group of alumni, and um, many of those people are still practicing artists. And it's interesting to pick their brain about what they learned then and where they are now. Uh, but for today, I thought it would be useful for the listener to hear from you, the co-founder, someone who's been here the whole time. Um, So someone who's administrating the program and someone who has a personal art practice. Uh, Just a little bit of your personal history, how you arrived here. Sure. Um, I I came to Galveston in 2002. Um, So I've been here over 20, well over 20 years now, somehow. I don't know how it happened. Um, And I came here originally to take care of a friend of mine's dog. Um, He was going away, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and had just returned home and got a phone call asking if I could come to Galveston for probably about four weeks to six weeks to take care of Peanut, who was a a Labrador 
a little older, um, while a friend of mine took care of some um, needed business. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to Galveston and something happened. I was living by the water and I realized that, you know, there wasn't really necessarily any reason to go anywhere else. Um, and so I didn't end up returning to New York. I, I, I stayed in Galveston. Um, and, and set up a studio there right on the channel side, kind of facing Texas City, right on the water. And that place then was, of course, destroyed in um, Hurricane Ike in 2008. And that was in some ways, I mean, I believe it was probably around 2010, maybe late 2009, when we started working seriously on, on GAR, the residency program and gallery. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the basic, you know, time frame of what happened, um, and we're we're still here, we're still doing it, um, and yeah, we got a, we got new artists that have just come into town um, and are, are starting to try to figure out Galveston and and how to how to sort of move around in this place, which is basically a sandbar that's in the Gulf of Mexico. I remember when uh, I first visited you showed me a pamphlet, a like a, a rack card of your first solo show that kind of immediately preceded you coming to the island or it was close around that time? I was showing, so that was, um, it wasn't my first solo show, but it was definitely probably my, one of my most memorable um, shows. It was, uh, it was a show that was up when I moved to Galveston and it was at uh, the Hammer Museum, UCLA. And I was working with this really great uh, artist and curator, James Elaine, who's also based in Texas now. He uh, he, he lives somewhere outside of Dallas. Um, but I had an exhibition, a one-person show there, and it was while that show was still up, I, I moved to Galveston. So all the work was sent back to Galveston rather than my, my studio in New York. Um, and, you know, for me, in some ways, that was a very, it meant something to me that, I, I think in some ways I needed to reset my relationship to the art world. Um, so going, you know, coming to Galveston was kind of a commitment to, you know, not necessarily being in the center of things, being not being in a big city, but trying to learn more about you know, myself and my relationship to art making. Part of my interest in talking to you today was to give you the space to discuss um, how you're balancing your personal work um, and there's a couple things I mean by that question given that you have a full-time job and that job is to kind of facilitate this program for an international or at least a national artist program um, so you're busy doing that but you do have dedicated space that you get to use and work in and like you said, you've been here for 20 years. Um, in that span of time, some artists are chasing studio space across Brooklyn or Austin or Dallas, uh, moving from place to place, kind of constantly getting kicked out, if you will. And so I just thought that you might have an interesting perspective for all Texas artists to hear. I'm just wondering, has your practice been able to progress through this time? Are you moving forward on any bodies of work? Or does making work, having that ability just kind of keep you grounded in general? 
Yeah, I, I, think, I think I've been able to keep moving. It's always a struggle, which any artist will tell you if they're working a job that they really love, I think, or a job they care about. Of course, you're going to put a lot of energy into that. And then so you then somehow, I mean, I think a lot of teachers face the same type of thing, which that's that's what I did in Galveston for 10 years before the residency. It was I was a full time teacher at a community college about an hour south of here. And ooh, I really loved it. I love the students and the people I worked with. But the residency is challenging because you don't get any breaks. You know, really, it's constantly there's always something, um, you know, there's always something that has to be fixed, whether it's a leaking ceiling or, you know, all the millions of things you can think that might happen when you bring people to a new city and try to, like, you know, get them where they can make art. Um, but my own personal practice, um, I, I think it's really important to have some structure. If you're going to be an artist and also have to work, you need to have committed studio time. I think that's the essential thing, which means a sort of discipline, which I know it's not always the most popular thing with artists, but for me, it means that I always try to get into the studio as early as I can in the morning and have some really focused time, you know, as much as possible before I kind of shift into doing the GAR work and the other things that will um, come, you know, as the day progresses. And, you know, I think I feel personally like I'm in a pretty good place. You know, some days, some days it feels like I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And other days it does seem like, oh, things are moving so slowly. But I, I think what happened for me was coming to Galveston allowed me to control this sort of timing mechanism of production where now I can kind of work on a thing until I feel like it's just right. And I don't have to sort of force anything anymore. So maybe it's like a slower process of making, but the results have been have been more satisfying to me. Um, they seem to have more. They they stay with me more. Like now, when I make a show or an, or a piece, it seems necessary to me, and it was pers like out of a personal necessity, not because someone else asked me to. Um, and that that seems really important. And I think. You know, Galveston's a good place to do that because some of some of the pressures maybe are taken off a little, which can be a challenge. I mean, how do you kind of stay motivated if you're not in the middle of like a, a kind of a busy city center or someplace where everybody's kind of really ambitious and, and going for it? But at the end of the day, I think that stuff's all, all sort of bullshit that it's really about the internal you make what you need to make, what you need to see in the world, and then you find a way to do it. And so for me, Gar Galveston makes perfect sense. I mean, I think I could probably do this same thing pretty much anywhere, but Galveston's an okay place to do it. It has a good mix of chaos and quiet, and it keeps alternating between the two. Yeah, I know what you mean by saying if you're, you know, if you're not in the middle of an urban center... Um, it can be hard to be motivating because maybe that like creative ecosystem isn't fully there. Like, I know what you mean, but, um, I kind of think of Galveston as like a little new Orleans or like where the, it's like where the, it's not where the Gulf coast ends, but it's where the, like, uh, the dirty South of the coast kind of ends 
y'all have Mardi Gras here. There's a biker weekend. There's Mardi, uh, excuse me, there's Oktoberfest. Um, but not just the kind of pedestrian festivals that lend some economic and cultural activity. There's the residency, of course, which brings people in. It kind of pollinates the city with people from outside of even Texas. And there's the Galveston Arts Center, which functions as an exhibition space with proper galleries and a proper curatorial program. And then there's a lot of underground and kind of counterculture-y people um, throwing movie-watching parties, all kinds of stuff. So it's like Galveston is so interesting to me because it has like a perfect mix, although it might be a smaller scale than Houston. Um, By comparison, literally everything is smaller than Houston, you know? Uh, But I don't know. Part of my interest in talking to the creatives operating within Galveston is that I feel like it really proves what kind of creative reality is possible without the stereotypical quote-unquote infrastructure we talk about sometimes. That's interesting because Galveston is exactly the right size where you can hold the whole island in your brain at one time, where if it was bigger, that wouldn't be possible. And so if you're in a city like Houston or New York or Dallas, you're always talking about a fragment of something. You're never talking about the totality, the whole thing. But I feel like in Galveston, because of the scale of it, it's kind of possible to wrap your head around the edges of the island and to sort of then make, you know, find a way to understand what human beings are doing in this space and to see it fairly clearly. And so in that regard, I think, is what gives it a kind of energy Um, oftentimes if you talk to people in Galveston that aren't artists and they talk about, you know, you you talked about the mini New Orleans, but what I hear people talk about a lot, there is, there is definitely a New Orleans connection in terms of the proximity to the water and the way people speak and and some of this, but I always think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um, the Hellmouth, you know, that, that there's an energy, there's like an energy vortex here that amplifies things, both good and bad. And so you're kind of never in the sleepy little town of 50,000 people. You're always in this amplified environment. And, I, and when I say Hellmouth, I don't mean it's necessarily all <laughs> bad, but it is But it is a lot. And it's kind of bouncing around um, on this little island. Yeah, I, I think during my interview with Nick Barbie from earlier this year, I think I likened it to... Uh, feeling like being on an alternative timeline of history or something. That's how I describe it. But I I connect with that too. Every time I drive into town um, and I pass the central graveyard, the cemetery, there's just something about it that it's a signal of like the way this place is, the age that it has, um, and also the value that that history has to this place um it's aesthetically very distinct from other parts of texas i was just walking uh through the neighborhoods with yanni langer and he was and i was asking him to point out the different architectural types of houses um 
it, there's a lot of Queen Anne's, you know. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, thinking about sort of history. You know, one of the things that that happens here is every storm, every flood, every every weather related event. There's always this thing of covering and revealing where things like the storm will like, you know, throw sand and mud and muck and water over some things and some things will be lost, but then other things get revealed by that process. And just uh, one of the new artists that's here right now, Devin, we were driving around a little um, towards, we were going towards the east end of the island, which is one of my favorite spots. And there's this one location where you can kind of park and you can see the, the big ships, you know, heading to Houston in the ship channel. And it's a very magical spot with the wind blowing and people are fishing. But if you get out of your car and you kind of start to walk along the edge there and you're paying attention, you'll see bits and pieces of like every type of brick and masonry and construction material that's ever been used in the last 150 years strewn along this and you and you can kind of pick through it and you see this history that's revealed in the fragments and the physical materiality that's kind of left there um, and those moments I find really powerful because you're suspended in time in a way that I find interesting as an observer in a way um, picking through this sort of moments in history and each one has a story to tell that's been the story's been removed from you but your mind is always then trying to say like, well, how, wait, how did this brick get here? You know, and then you'll only be able to make out like um, an R and an O and a C. So you don't know, you're trying to figure out who made it, but you don't, you don't necessarily know. That kind of leads me to my next question. Um, given the sort of distinct nature of this place uh, and its intrinsic dynamism, the way it changes, the way that you can't ignore nature while you're here it makes itself known uh seasonally through through storms if not every day when the wind and the the sea breeze blow in um i'm wondering over your time being here what kind of artists do you think thrive in this kind of environment well i i found in terms of artists at gar that have that have really know seem to have been able to be really productive in terms of growth and making their own work and also connecting to the community usually usually but not always studio rats like people who wake up in the morning and are like itching to get in the studio and see what's cooking and then that doesn't always mean the morning I mean sometimes they just work all night long and sleep during the day but it's usually people who are who are pretty self-motivated and self-driven um if you need to have somebody like entertaining you all the time, Galveston's probably not such a great place because there's going to be a lot of quiet moments where there's nobody there to entertain you and you kind of have to be able to live with yourself. And that connects back to what I was talking about, about the amplification of Galveston. I mean, it's a sandbar. Everything's exposed. So you're going to feel, I feel like, I feel like there's a thing where you feel things here like very intensely because there's no cover. Um, a sandbar is an exposed bit of terrain. Um, so I think people who, who really like to be in their studio have always done well. And I think people who like to walk around, uh, Galveston, especially downtown where the gar is, it, it can be a fascinating neighborhood to walk around and just look at the old buildings, but then also the newer structures that are, const- or that are made and 
the streets are wide and like you were talking about the festivals which we're, we're now getting into festival season which that brings a whole other type of energy to galveston where yeah we're going to be overtaken by the, the biker rally and mardi gras and dickens on the strand and all of these these crazy events that come through so it's 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 a challenging it's it's a challenging small town in some ways to you have to have a kind of flexibility too i think to be able to roll with some of this stuff because you're not necessarily getting the same experience from week to week like one week can be foggy and sleepy and this little laid-back beach town and then the next week you have like a quarter of a million harley davidsons outside your window all revving them at the same time and that's galveston you know that's just to me that's entirely galveston so you know uh, my friend manny who was here a couple years ago you know, we always were talking about, you know, utopian communities and the difficulties and challenges, but the necessity of of what the necessity of imagining a more beautiful situation and knowing kind of at the same time that it's going to crumble apart at the edges. And so I think for me, Galveston's perfect because it brings a lot of its own sort of it brings a lot of wrenches to throw into the machine so that you can then try to make a situation that feels really good despite that. Um, I, it's a fascinating challenge. I, I feel like we, I have the same, you know, uh, Sally and Dan, uh, Sally Barbie, um, whose husband Nick was a first year resident, and Dan, who was a resident here, uh, Dan Schmall. I feel like I have this really great, um, you know, crew that I get to work with. Uh, Jabari has been here too, and I, I just feel like I've been able to have people around that also enjoy the craziness of Galveston and are still not sick of it. And that's entirely necessary because you can't do this kind of stuff alone. And I've been really fortunate that I've had, you know, I've had supportive um, friends who, you know, helped in the beginning start it. And they're still supportive because um, you just can't. It would be too much. Just emotionally, trying to do uh, a project like this would be impossible without a lot of good help from from friends and, and, and others. You mentioned earlier in this conversation one of the current residents, Devin. And uh, we were chatting last night over dinner as I was just getting acquainted with all of the residents and I was asking him, uh, he's from Chicago, or he spent kind of like some formative years in his career in Chicago and for his education. And so I asked him, you know, how did you find Galveston? How did that come on your radar? And he said that he had been coming back and forth through Houston. And uh, finally, he came down here for the Festival of the Beautiful to check it out. And that really clicked in his mind that he wanted to do work here. And so I thought I would just ask you to give a little description of the Festival of the Beautiful to illustrate in the listener's mind what that's sure. like. Well, you know, one of the things we, we've talked about a little bit, Galveston, we're entering festival season. So there's a slew of festivals that are going to come our way. And most of them are pretty annoying for various reasons. Uh, Oktoberfest, though, is coming up pretty soon, and it's hard to get too annoyed at Oktoberfest. But anyway, it was it was about seven years ago, I'm guessing, I was sitting in the back courtyard with Fidencio Perez, who was a resident at the time, and we were, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful fall day, but 
there was a festival brewing. We could tell there was the, the smell in the air and the motorcycles, and we knew one was coming. And we started talking about this idea of a festival that instead of throwing like plastic beads at each other and making people eat like junk food on a stick and charging people like $20 to get in some fenced in area to buy some like crappy beer that you really don't want to drink. You're like, well, what if there was a festival that was just the beautiful where, you know, maybe you would spend the whole year carving a little wooden boat and then you would just hand it to somebody like a stranger on the street and they didn't have any idea why you would give them this. And then maybe you'd make like some really good food and like a delicious, you know, gumbo and anybody could come and eat it and there'd be music playing and anyone could come. It didn't cost any money. And it was just and, and that's what happened. And somehow I don't know who threw it out there, but it was the Festival of the Beautiful. And I remember Financio, like as we're having his, his eyes kind of like sparkled and he was like, let's do it. And that was the first year. And so we, we kind of scrambled and started like making costumes and gathering stuff together. And that first year, the first years we used to kind of, we would sort of hijack the Mardi Gras parade routes and we weren't really supposed to be there, but we found that they didn't shut down. Like they'd kind of leave the gate open and you could kind of just like act like you're Mm. part of the parade and we'd keep walking and we'd throw homemade gifts to the crowd. Um, I think what happened last year is we realized it was almost better to do it kind of in GAR where we could have a little more sort of control over the environment. But I feel like every year has been different. Um, it's basically just a uh, excuse to like, you know, eat some good food and do an event, a festival that just feels that feels good, that feels right. And it isn't there's no baggage um, attached to it that that we don't necessarily want. It's a ton of work. Around this time every year, I swear we're not going to do it again. But somehow it tends to happen more often than not. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure and let people know if, um, if we do it again. And you can come down and experience it. Um, I, I think it's a pretty... It's always a pretty interesting day for me. <laughs> <laughs> what time of year is that? It's usually around Mardi Gras. So... Last year, we actually separated it from Mardi Gras. We did it a couple weeks after Mardi Gras. I think it was like March, and the weather was so beautiful. And Benji Mason was out there making a vegan gumbo and and an old-fashioned gumbo, and it was amazing. And, you know, there was live music all day, and we had plant workshops. Uh, Nick Barbie put together a plant workshop. Uh, People wore costumes. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It 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 was nice. And it went from like 9 in the morning till midnight just a you know a long kind of a long fun lazy day of you know sitting out in the back courtyard and and listening to live music and eating good food and having a few drinks and and meeting some friends yeah yeah thank you for that explanation i i have not been able to attend yet um but i do remember hearing about it and of course i read through a lot of press releases and information uh for glass tire so I've seen pictures and stuff. I remember thinking that it seemed kind of like aligned with the Mardi Gras season, both like chronologically and spiritually, but just something more of like a a hippie artist version of if you can get more hippie than Mardi Gras, any even, you know. Oh, you can because see, (laughs) Galveston, I mean, it's an inherent problem. Like, I mean, I don't mean to call anybody out, but Galveston Mardi Gras 
is the worst. <laughs> I mean, I should maybe, you know, but it is. They, they put up these fences all over the island, these like ugly, horrible fences, and then they charge you like 20 bucks to just get inside the fence. But then once you're in there, there's really nothing happening except you can buy like a $7 Miller Lite in a can. And uh, I mean, come on. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. I, we, we, we don't need to live this way. Yeah, I, that's a little bit how I feel about the State Fair of Texas. Um, every year the State Fair comes through and it disrupts traffic. And, you know, it costs a lot of money to get in. And then once you get in, you have to spend $50 to get tickets. And then you have to spend half of the tickets to get a single food item. Um, and it just... I'm not against, you know, an event kind of needs exclusivity a little bit to make it what it is. But sometimes it's like, what does anyone get out of this? <laughs> um, and I I don't, I think Galveston sparks the answer to that problem for me because it feels like you can come here. There's not a lot of gates to get through to experience the city it's not very big so you would see you would see very clearly if there was a gate that you <laughs> had to get through um and the the architecture alone is like you know i feel like it's an outdoor museum in a way that you don't have to pay money to get to and then sometimes you go inside the buildings like the rosenberg library um and y'all do have historic home tours, which I think that might cost money. It's nominal. But anyway. Um, the Biker Rally is entirely free. Oh, my and gosh. And you can roam around it all you want. <laughs> and you can, if you buy something, you spend your money on patches. And, and you know, so I'm, Biker Rally, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. And Oktoberfest, which will be coming up in a couple weeks, too, is, mm -hmm. is, is also, I mean, you have, to, you have to pay for your beer and stuff. But yeah. they don't charge to walk around, which... That's how it should be. Right, right. Um, and that was, I went last year and that was how I got into um, a couple cathedrals or churches. Um, I, I think I went with you last year. We all went together. Uh-huh. We went with the resident artists. That's right. And we got to kind of socialize outside of thinking about art and what we were going to do with our careers in the next six weeks to three months, you know, whatever. Um and it was really special because that's kind of like, not to say that artists are the best at leisure, um, because artists work a lot too, but it's, I, I mean, you have such a good force of energy at running the program because I know every day when I would wake up, get to my computer, run through my schedule, we're, we're all multitasking all the time. And then you would, at very reasonable intervals, either text or meet me and say, like, you know, what we need to do on Saturday is we need to go to this dinner or we need to go to this, uh, you know, Oktoberfest event. We all need to sit down and have some fun. And I just thought, like, I don't know. There's, again, it in my mind, it's so distinctly Galveston uh, that that y'all have figured out how to live the good life without um, compromising, I don't know, any, any, anything within your personal lives or your, or your personal work. Well, and I, th and I think for me, you know, you asked earlier about if I, if I felt like there'd been like growth and, you know, I think, I think as an, like as an artist, you, you grow by making work, right? You just have to make sure you keep making work. That's it. 
as long as you're making work, you're, you're still, you're succeeding. And, you know, you, you have to kind of let go sometimes. I think it's important of like other people's reactions to the work, but you have to keep making the work. But what's interesting to me, and I mean, I struggle with this a little bit. My natural tendency left to my own devices would be very hermetic to be like an artist in the studio all the time grinding out work with a very small kind of group of people that I have to go talk to when, you know, when I melt down and the shit hits the fan. But because, you know, um, because I was asked to be part of GAR, it's forced me to sort of push, it's pushed me out of my comfort zone a lot. And, and I think in some ways that's been healthy, like even like doing this, like, this is, you know, pushing me outside of my comfort zone because it's like anything that's sort of more public or regards like, you know, that, that stuff's not the easiest thing for me. I tend to be more inwardly focused. So um, to run GAR, it means I had to kind of learn some new skills and also constantly challenging myself to learn new things about, you know, about how to sort of navigate, you know, people and human relations and also like, you know, how do you get the city not to cut off your water when they really want to cut off your water, but you really need your water. And you also need to be able to flush toilets and, you know, the pipes freeze and, you know, these things. So it's been, you know, I think for me, maybe what's been so intriguing about the job is the constant demand of like personal growth to kind of also that helps Gar to survive and the two go together. So I don't necessarily get bored because I'm always having to go, oh God, I don't want to do that, but I have to do that. And then I do it. And then kind of glad I did mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think so I mean I, I feel like it's 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 one of those things where if you're going to have a job as an artist you kind of want it to be something where it's changing a lot so you can learn new things and about yourself that then maybe carry into your work and I think that's what's happened with me is I feel like over time I mean what happens with artists I believe is your work and yourself become like transparently overlaid over time and then eventually there's no separation between the two you know that's sort of the end result of the artist's life and you know so over time your your work is going to shift because you're shifting no matter how i mean it's like no matter how hard you try not to you're still it's like this constantly moving thing um and so you know doing it in galveston means that you know you're 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 kind of riding that like wave of you know, all of these things are happening and you're changing and Gallison's changing and I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. So I'm drifting <laughs> off into something that'll have to get edited out. I'm drifting into some craziness here. It's, but it's I'm, a, I'm about to go surfing or something. I'm like bobbing in the waves. I was going to say it's, <laughs> it's just a result of Island time. <laughs> no, no, that's actually the truth of it is like, you know, and that's, that's been another thing is like, you know, Dan got me surfing and kind of embracing that water lifestyle has been useful. And we like, we get the residents surfing and fishing and, and doing these things that maybe they wouldn't do anywhere else. Sometimes you have to, I, I think that last year, the artist cohort um, from 22 to 23, which I was lucky enough to, come to town twice, once in October of last year and then once in May of this year and do studio visits and meet with everybody in and out of the studio. Um, that group in particular, it struck me that they they were definitely studio rats, at least in, in my uh, description, um, which, is, which is yeah. great. I, I haven't been a studio artist 
long enough that I think that I take for granted how much space, how much space and time an artist wants or needs um, that obviously an artist that is applying to GAR, uh, they are really looking for that. They really want that. Um, so when they get here, when they get through the application process, they're really going to take advantage of that. And I guess I just thought, um, especially after October, the first time I came through and I saw the, the cadence of life in Galveston, I thought, oh, we'll get to have such good, friendly times. And um, it was kind of difficult to, to find time across all three artists. That's not a huge amount of people, but um, it can be relatively complex coordinating between three different people. And that's what's fascinating is every year, based on the artists that come, it has such a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And you're right, last year's group were wonderful studio. I mean, they just they just always wanted to be in the studio making their work. And they really, I think by the end, they all had really connected to Galveston and found something here that was really valuable for them. And it was hard. I mean, I think I could speak for all three of them that it was really difficult to leave, actually, because even though 10 months isn't very long, if you like, I mean, it's almost a year and it can be tough. You can really kind of develop some relationships and friendships and connections to maybe your your studio space or to even maybe it could be something as simple as like the walk from the apartment to the studio or maybe you maybe every morning you do a beach walk and you know Galveston can have a wonderfully empty beach sometimes you know in the mornings and I just you know but every year is completely different um you know it's 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 radically different depending on the group so I'm still I'm really excited to see kind of what's going to happen this year because it's been really fun um you know hanging out for like 10 days um, but I know that it's going to, you know, it'll be a different, it's going to be a whole different feel by the end. Um, and we'll, we'll see. Um, it's kind of like teaching or something where you just, there's certain, there's certain parameter structures in place every year, but then within that, there can be room for lots of, lots of fun, new experiences, I think. And so I've been to a couple, uh, artist market events y'all have done in, at the GAR, uh, studio building. I'm just wondering if there's any way people can volunteer or get involved if they're in the area, any way they can kind of support GAR from near or afar. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're a nonprofit organization, so we do appreciate don- donations of, um, of money. And um, you can definitely find out through the website how to do that. Also, just if you're in town, come by and, and say hi and see what the show is in the gallery. And if there are any artists around, meet them. And, you know, that energy is always appreciated. Um, you know, we, we love we love having people in the gallery. We're always there like Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 4. And get on our email list because we do some fun like music events and film events. And, yeah, and like art markets, things like that. We did a poetry reading the other night that was really great. Um, Anthony Madrid um, from Victoria came and read some incredible poems to us um, for the Utterbox show that is uh, going to come down pretty soon. Um, and, you know, you've been hearing us talk about Festival of the Beautiful. If you're one of those people who've come to Festival of the Beautiful, you could always, like, reach out to us and be like, hey, you need to do Festival of the Beautiful again this year. 
or be like, Eric, don't ever do that again. We're tired of Festival of the Beautiful <laughs> because right now in the next two weeks, we have to decide if we're really, mm. you know, sometime soon we'll have to decide if you really want to, you know, do this again. Um, we're a pretty small organization. So, you know, it's always like taking on all these projects. Sometimes we get a little, sometimes we, we have a tendency to want to bite off more than we can chew, but, you know, we try to, we still try to chew it. Well, it was lovely chatting today, Eric Schnell. Um, I look forward to seeing what this new cohort gets up to, as well as your usual uh, exhibition programs. Um, And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, William. It's always good having you here in Galveston to hang out and meet the crew and and, uh, run around with the artists and get into a little Galveston trouble. Absolutely. If you find yourself on I-45 going south, pass through Houston and keep on going until you hit the sea and come hang out uh, at the Galveston Artist Residency. And in the meantime, be sure to check out our online exhibition calendar of events happening across the state. And as always, go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.